Good morning. How is everyone today? Good? All right, well, welcome to the third week of a series called My Mission. And if you're here for the first time, we're really glad you've chosen to come spend part of your morning with us, checking out our church. And we encourage you to come back for five more times just to see what we're all about. This series is a great way to find out what we're all about. Several months ago, when we were thinking about this series, the idea is that we have this mission as a church to help people connect with God. It's written, we say it in, in every email you get and your program. So we all know that. But we started to ask the question, what if every person who calls LifePoint their church home started to live the mission of helping people connect with God? See, life gets really busy, doesn't it? Our schedules get full, things get packed, school starts back, the job has stress, we're just all stressed out. So we have to remember sometimes, let's go back and talk about what are we supposed to be about as a follower of Christ? What are we supposed to be about as a church? We're about helping people get connected with God. But how do you do that? How do you practically live that out on a day-to-day basis? And that's what this series is all about, helping you discover and live what that really is. So we've looked into the ministry of Christ to see, well, how did Jesus get people connected with him? Because you can read in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all these interactions that Jesus had with people on earth while he was trying to introduce God to them in a way they had never heard before. In a way that invited everybody in, into the kingdom. So how did Jesus do that? And we've said, well, Jesus did that through doing three things. And if we focus on those three things, as we interact with people in our daily lives, then we are going to be helping people connect with God. And those three things are reach. We need to reach people. Did you know that in our county, in Wake County... Only 12% of the population goes to an evangelical church on Sunday morning. That leaves 88% of people doing something else today. So we need to make a difference. We need to put a dent in that number. We need to change it. We need to reach those people, the ones that don't know about the saving message of Jesus Christ. And when we reach out to people, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, other kids at school, when we do that, We want to help them be restored, reach, restore, restore people into a relationship with God, into a community that will help them do life because life has a way of beating people up through mistakes that they make, through things that happen to them, through people being pushed out to the edges and marginalized in our culture. Those people need to be restored. And then when all of that happens, we need to teach people who are reached and restored how to reproduce. You are the result of someone taking it seriously enough to try to reproduce the message and grace of Christ that was in them, in you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, somebody got serious about reproducing what they had into you. So as we reach, restore, and reproduce people while we're living out this mission to help people get connected with God, we're looking at some of the missional practices that Jesus had in his ministry. What are some of the things that he did as a way to help us practically live this out today and the rest of the week? And one thing that Jesus did, we talked about last week, he prayed a lot. 
So if we're going to live our mission, we need to pray like Jesus prayed. And if you missed last week, go online, lifepointchurch.com backslash my mission and look at some of the resources we have for you so you can learn to pray like Jesus prayed. And then this week, we're looking at what is perhaps the easiest part of the missional practices that Jesus did in his ministry. Does anybody know who Joey Chestnut is? Just raise your hand. Do you know who he is? All right. Some of us watch ESPN at times. So we know who Joey Chestnut is. Joey Chestnut is the four-year reigning hot dog eating champion of the world. In 10 minutes, he ate 68 hot dogs. 21,000 calories. We're going to be reading Joey's obituary soon. But his claim to fame is, hey, I, I can eat 68 hot dogs faster than anybody else on the planet. Well, that's not the kind of eating that we're going to be talking about as we look into the ministry of Jesus and see how, how did eating play a role in his ministry and how can that play a role in me and the mission that God has for me to live. Many years ago, I was in a college group and I looked at this very attractive young girl named Cinda Westfall. And I wanted to get to know her better. And so I figured I'm going to take her out to eat. Now we were in college. I didn't have any money. So I took her to Burger King. <laughs> and over a burger, it worked. Over a, over a burger, we got to know each other. And then I thought, well, let's do that again. Let's go to Taco Bell this time. Let's kind of go up the, up the ladder a little bit. And over a burrito, we sit and talk and get to know each other and eventually just fall in love. And it all started from that Burger King meal that we shared together. We use meals all the time to celebrate special occasions, right? I mean, anything special comes along, we eat, right? It's, let's eat. It's a special day. We need to eat. It's, it's Tuesday. Let's eat. It's a special day. On Mother's Day, you take moms out to eat to the restaurant of their choice. Father's Day, you just leave dad alone. That's all you have to do. Let him eat on his own, up in his room, watching TV. But food commemorates a lot of big deals in life. A lot of big things that happen, we think, well, let's go out to eat. You probably have a similar first date story. For those of you that are married, you think, well, the first date we went on, we went out eat. So today's message is about eating like Jesus. It's about missional eating. You ever heard that term before? You ever heard a message at church on eating? On the best way to eat? Not, not the food, not the calories, not all that stuff, but just eating, having a meal because it shows up almost immediately in the ministry of Jesus. It sounds simple. But when we look through his ministry, we see him doing very simple things to be on mission. And if we do those things, it's going to help us get on mission. Now, if you heard about the title to this message before today, you probably thought, awesome, we're going to learn how to eat better. We are, but not the physical side. Because eating with people is a way that I can live the Jesus mission. It's not an excuse to overeat. It's just a way that I can live the Jesus mission. If you start reading in your Bible, start in Genesis. You don't read long to where sharing meals with each other becomes a very central part of how people came together, how they 
how they sometimes solved differences, how they got to know each other, and how they welcomed people into their homes. In Genesis chapter 18, there is a guy named Abraham, and you can read this story on your own, but he's out in the field and he meets up with some people and it's a really hot day. And the first thing Abraham does when he meets these people who were actually enemies, he yells at his wife, hey, let's have them in for dinner. And so they have these people over for dinner. And it's that story in Genesis 18 that became a teaching point for rabbis when they taught people, their followers, how to treat strangers. That's the teaching that Jesus would have received growing up. He would have received from the rabbi he listened to this instruction about, look at what Abraham did in Genesis 18. That's the way you're supposed to treat strangers. So it's no wonder that when Jesus began to call people to live in a new way, it involved, among many other things, eating with people. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand if you'd like one. You can follow along in there as I read today, or you can follow on the screen. Take that Bible home with you if you need one, or if you just want to use it and leave it in the back on the way out, that's fine too. Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 9, says this. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So these religious police called the Pharisees of the day, they saw Jesus hanging out with people they didn't think a religious person should be hanging out with. So they have the question, why are you eating with him? I mean, they already had the question, why would you ask someone like that to follow you? Because the two words, follow me in that culture, said by a rabbi, would have meant, hey, you are worth something. You can, you can do what I do, so come and follow me. Now, tax guys were hated. Tax guys in the Roman Empire were not even paid a salary. They were just told, you go collect these taxes, and anything else you get above that, you just keep it. So they were taking money off the top. They were taking money from people that they shouldn't pay. So they were hated. So when Jesus walks up to this crooked tax collector and says, follow me, they're like, whoa. And then it's like, hey, Jesus, come on over for dinner, Matthew says. I got all my friends together because those kind of people tend to hang out with each other. And so Jesus goes over and has dinner and they're freaking out. They're like, why are you with these people? I don't understand. And Jesus wasn't there just to fill his belly. He was there to prove a point. He was there to let people know, hey, you do matter. You are important. So when Jesus ate with people, you can find two, two ways in Scripture, at least two ways, and two, or two reasons that Jesus hung out and had a meal with people. Jesus used a meal to spend time with those who were far from God. He ate with Matthew and his friends simply to build a relationship. He met with Matthew who had just agreed to follow him, left his job, left everything to follow Jesus. And he met with this group of people whose lifestyle did not match up with God's ideal for them. So instead of Jesus yelling at them to change, he saw Matthew as, hey, here's an opportunity to reach out to a whole new group of people and to get to know a whole new group of people. Because eating with someone helps get to know them. 
you find out some really bizarre things when you sit and eat with somebody. You do find out some general things about their hygiene, I've noticed, and about their tolerance for germs. If you eat with me, you'll find mine is very low tolerance for germs or anything, you know, that, that somebody else touched. You'll figure that out. But you find out a lot of things relationally about people when you just have a meal with them. Just this week, somebody called me up. Hey, I really need to talk. And the first thing we say is not, well, come by the office. Let's just sit here in this office across from each other and talk. The first thing is, well, a breakfast or a lunch, which do you want to meet for? So we meet over meal and we talk about life. Jesus wasn't just building a relationship with Matthew and his friends. He wanted people to know, I accept this guy. He's one of my followers. He's worth something. It was an affirmation that he was valuable. And Jesus used that relationship as an opening to this whole new group of people where he could share his message. When I did college ministry, we, one of the schools where I was, we had a huge population of Honduran students that came to our ministry. And they just kept, it kept getting more and more and more. And all these students from Honduras who'd come to the U.S. to go to school, I was getting to know them. And I remember someone at my church saying, where are these kids coming from? Why, we got all these Honduran students. This is awesome. How did this happen? I was like, well, I took one to lunch. I took one to a free lunch. And I'm sure they went back to their friends. This guy will buy your lunch. You just got to go meet with him. And then the next time somebody else came and the next time somebody else came and it just kept growing and growing. And if you give college kids food, they will listen to just about anything. And that's what happened. And it grew and grew. And even on Facebook today, I look at some of those, they were kids then, they're not now. I look at them and I see their lives and I see their things about faith that they post. And I see them growing their family and involved in their church. And it all started because of a meal. And that's what Jesus is doing when he meets with people and eats with people who are far from God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, always be eager to practice hospitality. That word hospitality comes from a Greek word that's pronounced neo. And it means showing love to strangers. People who practiced in that culture, people who practiced this, were just, they were called a lover of strangers. So people who practiced hospitality and had folks in their homes and got with folks for meals, they would say, hey, look at him. He's one of those lovers of strangers. He's doing what Abraham did all the way back in Genesis 18. He's loving strangers. He's practicing hospitality. There were another group. There's another group of people that Jesus, not, he didn't just eat with people who are far from God. He also ate with people who were on mission with him. Jesus used a meal to spend time with those who shared his mission. It was during meals with his followers that Jesus revealed some really profound things about his teaching and his purpose and what was about to happen. In fact, the meal that Joel just talked about in the communion time, it was at a meal that Jesus first said, see this bread that you're eating and this juice that you're drinking? This represents something. 
So at this meal they were sharing together, Jesus revealed to them his, his betrayal that's about to come, his, his trial, his crucifixion, his death, and even his resurrection. And he says, remember this when you come together to share a meal. So it's no wonder that when you read about the first century church in the book of Acts, when they started to invite more people in on the journey to follow Christ, it says this in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, when I, when I eat like Jesus, I have an opportunity to deepen, to build a relationship. It does, it, you get closer to people as you just hang out and eat with them and share a meal with them. Our process when we invite somebody to join our staff family is, it's a rigorous process. It's not just like, okay, you can do the job. You'll, okay, you can come on and join our staff family. Before we ever talk about what can you produce, we sit down and have a meal. I don't think there's ever been anybody join our pastoral staff that has not sat and had a meal at my house, at another staff person's house, we ha- that we haven't sat together and gotten to know each other. Because I have this criteria that in order for you to come and join our staff, I got to like you first. You know, I, I want when I see you in the morning, I don't want to go, oh, jeez. Why do I have to look at this person? I I don't want that. The first criteria is, do I like you? Do you fit? Are we going to be able to get along? If the answer is yes, then it goes to, okay, can you do what we need to be, needs to be done? And all of that starts around this relational meal that we have together. That's how we get to know each other. Our elders, we get together once a month for a meal we talk about our church and we talk about our lives and we talk about challenges and things that we're struggling with or things that we think the church might be struggling with. And we pray together and all that happens in the context of a meal. Author Alan Hirsch has a book called Right Here, Right Now. And if you want to know about what's it mean to live missionally in life, to live with purpose, just get that book. Because in it, he's talking about eating and this is what he says. Sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. I mean, what would happen if we regularly started eating with our neighbors or co-workers or our friends that don't know Jesus, I know what would happen. People would start getting connected with God. Now, you might already be thinking, okay, pray like Jesus meant that I'm supposed to have this prayer time. Daily would be ideal. So I got to add that into my schedule. Now you're saying eat like Jesus means I got to be inviting all these people over and spending time with them. And I eat in the car three days a week anyway. So how am I going to fit this into my schedule? There's five words that will destroy your life. And that is I don't have the time. And if you find yourself over and over saying I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. You're probably not living out your mission. You probably have some things on your calendar, on your weekly schedule that should not be there. 
if that's a constant phrase in your family, to your kids, to your husband, to your wife. Well, I don't have the time. Get the time. Change some things around. Realize that, hey, if I'm ever going to be on mission and have God's best for me, then I got to find the time. I got to stop some things or start some new things. Is it that important that we eat together? Yes. It's that important. If you just take your family unit, mom, dad, and the kids, or just mom and the kids, or just dad and the kids, whatever your family unit looks like, if you just take that family unit, it's essential that you share meals together at the table. In 2006, there's a Time Magazine issue devoted to talking about the family. And in that issue, there's a great quote about the value of families sharing meals together. It says this, in fact, it's the experts in adolescent development who wax most empathetic about the value of family meals. For it's in the teenage years that this daily investment pays some of its biggest dividends. Studies show that the more often families eat together, the less likely kids are to smoke, drink, do drugs, get depressed, develop eating disorders, and consider suicide. And the more likely they are to do well in school, delay having sex, eat their vegetables, learn big words, or know which fork to use. Robin Fox from Rutgers University says, if it were just about food, we would just squirt it into their mouths with a tube. As she talks about this mysterious way that family dinners engraves our souls. A meal is about civilizing our children. It's about teaching them to be a member of their culture. So it's that important relationally. And if you think, I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the time to share meals with, hardly with my family, much less anybody else. Well, nothing is more important than taking the time to do that. You'll never live out Jesus's mission in your life until you take the time to build relationships with people. If you're thinking, well, I, I just don't feel connected. That's because you're not connected. That's why you don't feel connected. I mean, come and talk to me about it and I can help you. And I know sometimes people try really hard and maybe they don't meet the right people or they don't feel welcome or whatever. And that can happen sometimes. But most of the time when people say, I don't feel connected, it's because they're not. It's because they haven't taken any steps to do that. This is not about eating. It's about connecting with others and building relationships to help people get connected with God. You might think, well, I've got 1,100 friends on Facebook and I still feel disconnected. 500 people follow me on Twitter and I still feel disconnected. Sharing a picture of your food is not sharing a meal with somebody, just so you know. It's cute. I understand you're proud of your husband or wife or kids for cooking that or yourself. That's all cool. I've done the same thing myself, but that's not being connected. That's not sharing a meal. Maybe you say, well, it's not that I don't have the time. I just don't like people. <laughs> that could be the case. Usually, if you don't like people, they return the favor. So it just, it snowballs. So get past it. Push through the difficulty. And, or maybe it's, maybe your thought is, well, it's 
just awkward to ask somebody. I mean, we, we talk, we go out to lunch, and we, we talk, and, and we get to know each other, and we ask questions about our career and our families and our kids and, and some of our dreams, and the food hasn't even gotten here yet. So what are we going to do for the next 30 minutes? And it, it can be really awkward, and I've been at those awkward meals when maybe the person's not talkative or they're too talkative. And you just have to push through it and realize there's something bigger going on here than just people stuffing their faces at the same time. And it can be uncomfortable, but just push through it. There's a family at our church who had this plan to go to China and and do ministry one way and it all changed and they were left with nothing to do but build relationships with people. And I want you to see this video about how they did it over a year's time in China. Take a look. In 2008, I went with our church youth group on a mission trip to Beijing, China. And it was very last minute and didn't really plan on going, had to get everything in a hurry. Um, But I went and had a fantastic time. And when I came back, I remember distinctly telling my wife that we were gonna move to China. I told him, I was like, just go back to sleep, please. Um, I had no intention of leaving America. so he did, and then he woke up, and he, w- he still had the same feeling, unfortunately. And I remember just feeling like that we had to go. That it, there was just, it was something, I couldn't explain it. It didn't really make sense. I just knew that we had to move to China. So we um, prayed about it and decided to go for three weeks and just to see how it was. At the end of the time, um, we came home and we talked about it, prayed about it, and I still, a year later, had this overwhelming desire to move. And so um, my wife and my daughter said, okay, and we started planning. So my parents told me that we're going to China. That was a bit of a surprise. So when we first got there, um, we had all these ministry opportunities kind of planned out in our head. Needless to say, everything absolutely fell apart. Uh, The things that we thought we were gonna be doing absolutely did not work out. Um, Opportunities that we were sure were gonna be there just disappeared and we didn't really know what to do. We didn't really know anybody in the country. We didn't, definitely didn't speak the language. Um, You know, we could get around and uh, maybe order a dish for dinner, but that was kind of it. And we quickly kind of discovered that everybody eats dinner. So what better way to meet people than invite them out to dinner? Um, and so it, it kind of went from, you know, this is what we have to do to survive because we were very hungry, uh, to more of kind of like a, an intentional ministry thing. Um, and it was something we didn't expect to do and we really weren't prepared to do, um, just because we had never really thought about dinner as ministry. Um, but as we started meeting people and inviting them out to dinner, we realized that it's the shortest path to friendship and to be able to speak truth into their lives. Some of the things that we were able to do through just honestly randomly meeting people on the street and inviting them over for dinner, um, we started a small English corner uh, where we ended up having 15 to 20 people um, a week come over and practice English. Um, We were able to weave um, some gospel truth into our little lessons. It was very difficult to, to start to build relationships and it took a long time took a lot of dinners um, but uh, you know at the end of the year we were able to really sit down and, and talk to people in ways that we never would have had we just 
you know, met them weekly for some sort of game or, you know, playing a sport with somebody or, or doing th something that was community driven, it was much more personal than that. And we developed friendships that, that we still have to this day with people. Um, you know, there was, there's a couple that um, we met through a school and she just invited us to dinner one day. And, you know, so, okay, sure, you know, let's go eat. And brought her boyfriend, and we literally had lunch or dinner of some sort with them twice a week, three times a week um, for the year that we were there. And, you know, to this day, it's, it's one of the things that I know God put us there for that. And I know. I never thought that we would make friends, but when I look back, that is all we did was make friends with people. Looking back over the year, I realized that almost everything we did had something to do with food. And it really kind of just cemented in our hearts that food is an integral part of ministry. It's something that crosses cultures and barriers and it's easy to do. Everybody eats. Um, since we've been back, we've used that to start ministries with uh, youth and college kids just by opening our home and uh, having them over for dinner, having them over for lunch, um, feeding them, get to know them, and um, it's a, a very easy way to start in developing relationships with people. The easiest of the missional practices, it's this one, to do what you're already doing. How many people are going to eat lunch today? Tell the truth. You're going to eat lunch. If you're not going to eat today, you're, you're going to eat in the next 24 hours, I guarantee it. Or you may not be here next week. You'll be in the hospital. So joining what you're already doing and making that missional is one of the easiest steps that you can take. See, if you're a student at school, that kid that sits alone in the cafeteria, you're already going to lunch. So why not say, hey, come on over here and sit with us or go sit with them. What a difference that would make in someone feeling left out and alone to just say, come sit with us. When you stand up today in a couple minutes and we say, okay, see you next week, there may be some people you need to say, hey, come on, go with us. I'd like to get to know you better. I'd like to reconnect or we haven't talked in forever or just, hey, you sat next to me. You win. Let's go have lunch together. The person in the cubicle down from you who sits there every day alone, the neighbor that you haven't gotten to know that well yet, that all you have to say is, hey, let's share a meal together. Because you don't know what they're going, what, what if that step of saying, let's eat together leads to their lives changing? Because if you knew that, hey, that person has a need, they're hurting and I need to talk to them and a great way to do that is for us to have a meal together. If you knew that, you would do it. You would push through your fears and the uncomfortableness and you would fix your schedule so you could do it. So know that that makes a difference. And if you haven't tried any of these missional practices yet, try this one. Join mission with what you're already doing and watch what God does with that as we start to eat like Jesus did. Let's pray. God, thank you for this example of the way Jesus used something as simply, simple as a meal to help people get connected with him. May we go and do the same. I pray this in his name. Amen.